Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 330. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and uh, whatever the outcome, we're glad the elections are at least over for now. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and we're entering that stretch of time where we're all still feverishly working, but Thanksgiving is around the corner, and we're a little bit like, why are we all still working? Can we just all stop? That's the feeling I have. I don't know if you guys have it, but that's the feeling I have. I just don't want to work. But, um... The th- nice thing about my job is that uh, on some of the days, I get to have fantastic conversations like the one we're going to have today. Uh, and speaking of work, we're actually going to talk about being quiet fired. That's a new term that uh, people are bending about. We'll also talk about the midterm results. We're going to break them down. Don't worry. And we'll ask why Gen Z has a problem with a thumbs up emoji and the thing that happens when you go on a date with a celebrity from a dating app. Ah, folks, the panel for today. Such an exciting panel today. Um, You've heard her on this show before. Uh, She's just so lovely. She's so smart. She was just telling me about her new podcast. It's called Teaching Texas, uh, which you should obviously be subscribing to right now. Um, She's an audio journalist of the utmost order. It is the one and only Grace Lynch. Hey, Grace. Hi. Wow, what a wonderful introduction. Thank you. Oh, my God. I mean every word of it. And and literally, you uttered the words, I think one of your segments is about a a creationist dentist or something on the Teaching Texas podcast. And that alone made me want to subscribe. Uh, Just so if that attracts any other listeners, a creationist dentist. In true Texas form... They don't, uh, everything's a little extra special out there. And so, of course, a creationist <laughs> dentist ran the state and therefore the nation's education system for a while. Um, it's a wild story. He's a wild cat. Um, he did chat my ear off in his dentist's office for about two straight hours. But listeners can get more of those those fun, juicy moments if oh they my God. listen to teaching dentists. I love this. I love it already. Also joining us on the show today is host of the podcast Vibe Check, which is so fun. He also is the only panelist on the show today that has a show on Broadway. Is that fair to say, Grace? <laughs> yes. The show is a strange loop, and if you have not heard about it, I mean, everyone in New York City has heard about their show. It has just gotten rave reviews. It won a Tony. I mean, it's just it's just doing incredibly. 
It's like on my list to see it. I can't wait. And so with us today, we have Zach Stafford. Hey, Zach. Hello. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me as a first timer. And I'm super excited about this dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Don McElroy is really getting his due here. (laughs) If we learn one thing from the show today is that there's this one dentist we should all know about. Honestly, Um, yes. I, uh, well, I, before we get into the show, I just want to remind people they could support the show by going to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. One of our recent uh, bonus episodes was with Bruce McCallis and Benari Poulton, and we talk about a procedure that'll make you taller. And it's all the rage. It's like the number one most growing plastic surgery procedure or whatever. Podiatry procedure? Uh, enhancement procedure? Whatever it's Do they called. just, like, build up your heels? They... <laughs> They like add platforms to your feet. I like that idea. No, they like break (laughs) your femur. They break your femur and they make you into a longer legged person. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of breaking, breaking and recovering. Is this something that people just know about right now? Listen, (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who knows about it is Bruce McCulloch and Benari Poulting as we talked about it on a fake nation bonus. So go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. You can get um, bonuses for the from the show that are just so fun and super ridiculous. And you learn stuff about making yourself taller. All right. Let's get into it with topic number one. So, um, okay. <laughs> this is the this is literally the first note I wrote about the midterms uh, in my computer. The first note I wrote is Trump eats a bag of discarded foreskins. That's the first thing I wrote. <laughs> um, oh do, <laughs> and I'll just break that down a little bit, which is that like he endorsed about 330 candidates or something. A lot of them did real bad. OK, so a lot of those like. Secretary of State runs that we were really concerned about. We talked a lot about on this show of election deniers that were running for Secretary of State that would then control elections. Those people like mostly lost. I think one guy in Indiana won. Um, We talked, you know, J.D. Vance won in Ohio. That's a Trump and Dorsey. But but Mehmet Oz lost in Ohio to John Fetterman handily, by the way. do you where do you where are you on the ate a bag of discarded foreskin scale, Grace? Wow. And, um trying to figure out what the other <laughs> end of that scale would be. <laughs> Just like what is the binary I'm operating in? I would yeah. I would say it's a pretty it's a pretty hefty bag. Like a bag of russet potatoes <laughs> is like the, the image I have. Um, right, right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And it's pretty Interesting for Trump world. And I'm seeing a lot of, you know, the right wing Twitter that I follow just kind of debating amongst themselves and trying to eat themselves alive on like whether or not just all of these elections were rigged. And so, of course, their candidates couldn't win or if it is, in fact, that they need to, like, give up the Trump mantle. Um, And I think that there's just like now all of this disgusting sycophanting over Ron DeSantis, which makes my stomach turning knots. Um, but yeah, horrible night for Trump. And apparently, according to like some reports from the New York Times, he's been having like a temper tantrum all morning, which I just think is it's so celebrating. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have to be clear, I guess I, I the last time I checked the news was a couple of hours ago. There was a meeting right before this. But as of a couple of hours ago, we're taping here on a Wednesday afternoon. The House was still, you know, they didn't call um, the House or the Senate. It looks like Herschel Walker is going to go into a runoff. Correct. Um, with um, Raphael Warnock. We've seen a, a runoff in that state before. Um, it looks like places like, you know, the Senate race in New Hampshire that Republicans thought that they could easily win. They uh, Don Bulldock lost that Senate race. Um, Governor Evers of Wisconsin uh, assessing his victory over Tim Mickles, which was a MAGA Republican, um, said boring wins um zach do you feel like boring uh won last night i mean i don't know if it's boring one or more like democracy may actually be putting up a good fight for once in a while uh, <laughs> because we're seeing a lot of races become 
amazingly competitive, which we did not expect at all. So you look at Colorado, Laura Boebert may lose her seat, which no one saw coming at all, which showed like just the sheer power of people when they decide to go out and vote and actually change within their communities. You also look at Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes, a senator that no one has ever heard of really, is now hyper competitive in Wisconsin right now. Um, And same in North Carolina. Like you look across, there's a lot of amazing places where Democrats are like, you know, really building up a capacity to win there. But then you also look at like the Hudson River Valley and all these New Yorkers win bought houses in the pandemic with money. I don't know where they got it. And somehow it all went red. So I'm just confused. Like what's going on in New York? What happened? Where are we going there? Um, But I don't think last night was boring at all. I think it was like a lot of emotions, especially if you live at Mar-a-Lago, which, you know, Trump is just, I mean, the the cover of the New York Post is the future with Ron DeSantis. Like New York Post (laughs) won't even put their own governor on the cover because they're so obsessed with Ron DeSantis. Like it is literally like death is knocking on Mar-a-Lago's door right now. You know, I read somewhere that they're that they're calling the um the thing that that Ron DeSantis has is sort of the anti-charisma. And and this is something that I've said about Ron DeSantis. It's like I I get that he's that I think one of the things in his favor is that he kind of seems competent, but he doesn't seem like nice or lovely or delightful in any way. Like, there is this anti-charisma about him. But just to clarify what everybody's talking about, why is the cover of the New York Post, is that Florida is really, and it has been going in this way in the last few elections, but Florida is really like just a red state now. It was a red wave in Florida. The red wave that we thought was going to happen nationally just like didn't happen. And again, I want to be clear, we may lose the House, we may lose the Senate. It's still too early to tell. But, but you know, what is supposed to trip typically happen, for example... Harry Truman lost 55 seats in his first midterm. Bill Clinton lost 53. Barack Obama lost 63. So the numbers are supposed to be really high. Historically, you're supposed to lose this midterm, right? The seating president, the seated president is not supposed to win this midterm. And we, it, and it's not like the Democrats totally won, whatever. But they're supposed, there is, the, the word shellacking has become a part of the American lexicon in this context for a reason, because that's normally what happens. What normally happens is a seated president gets a shellacking. That did not happen. And is it just, is it democracy winning? Is it like, part of it is I think like, we were hyped up to believe something because also polls know nothing now, I guess. I don't know. What do you think about the me- the swirling media narratives that were like uh, leading us into this election? I think we, I think, you know, similar to Twitter dying slowly, not even slowly, actually, it's dying very quickly these days. But um, I think we're move, realizing that reactionary politics don't really work in the long run. So us just having this moment of like believing a poll and then basing our entire worldview on it um, yeah. shouldn't be the way we should go forward because that's exactly what happened in the last two weeks. We saw random polling in New York saying that um, the Republican um, competitor uh, for governor there was somehow gaining speed on the incumbent. Yeah. And every like all my friends, I live in LA, all my friends in New York were like acting like the, the sky was falling yes. from, from above yes. and people really freaked out and then we look at the results there was never a close race at all between those two so yeah I it's think like a like, five point margin or something yeah it's just, which I it's think just is kind of close for New York I mean I, I guess, I guess it's, it should have been more comfortable but I just want to go ahead and give Hochul the she's a woman uh, bonus yeah. points because a five point margin when the candidate is a woman is like a ten point margin that's right <laughs> and the first woman ever elected in, in, in New York too so <laughs> Um, yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, there was a sky is falling aspect to the the run up to this. And again, like we might have lost both houses. But Grace, I mean, do you feel like there's degrees of loss? Um, Completely. How because are you like, feeling? I think that's something that, that I think particularly the media really struggles with is, is this idea of split ticket voters because we're yeah. like, on what God's green planet are these people doing and like how do they come to these conclusions? But like if you look at Ohio, like it was really disappointing to see J.D. Vance win for sure because that he's kind of an Oz light. Like he's also yeah. a bit of a fraud. He doesn't really make sense for the state. And Tim Ryan is such a good candidate for Ohio. Yeah. And so to have someone who is that strong out front but like couldn't overcome the like partisan temperature on the ground. But then you look at Mike DeWine, who's a – Republican, who's a beloved Republican governor in the state, ran away with his reelection. 
And J.D. Vance barely clinched it. So like that is you're seeing like someone voting for that Republican governor and then plenty of them also voting for Tim Ryan. Not enough for him to win, but enough to make that race close and to help us flip a couple of congressional districts in Ohio. So it is kind of like a shellacking by degree in the sense that like, did we win the governorship in Ohio? No, but that was never in the cards. Did we get the Senate? No. But we did get a couple of congressional races because our Senate candidate was strong enough to kind of pull up some other Democrats with him. Zach, can I ask you something controversial, which is about Beto O'Rourke and Stacey mm-hmm. Abrams? <laughs> yes. I think they're great, right? Like personally, but I don't live in Georgia or Texas. So it doesn't fucking matter what I think about their candidacies in those states. Um, <laughs> What do you do if you're Stacey Abrams and Beto O'Rourke and you've got oddly this nation of like progressives that like love you, but you can't win? Yeah, I mean, I think it is their third elections each that they've lost. Tough. Is that correct? It's a tough one. Yeah. I don't know. If it's, sta- I think Stacey's two. two. Beto yeah. is, or is three. Yeah. Um, it's multiples. They have multiple losses. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear, they are good at losing. Yes. Yeah, they're, not, they're really good at losing <laughs> these days. And you know what we're seeing here is that 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 pressure point with with gerrymandering honestly is that like these states have been so like reimagined for republicans to have an advantage that we've kind of hit the threshold of where democrats can really push um without converting you know a lot of republicans in mass so i think Stacey abrams her infrastructure is so powerful it's doing a lot of work to defend different parts of the state for different laws and issues but a governor i don't know if georgia will go there just yet i mean we're so lucky that two senate seats are blue. Um, so I think it's going to take more time. Again, it's maybe going to take, you know, 20 more years of work here to do this. But I think Stacey Abrams does have to look outside her state to see her political future because it doesn't look like Georgians are showing up in mass for her yet, which is sad because she's such a wonderful, brilliant right. candidate. It has done such amazing work. But people have a hard time sometimes with these political rock stars who like are great in Vanity Fair, maybe, but not great in the local, you know, Atlanta constitutional newspaper or whatever. Yeah. And then, and I think in, in the case of Beto, too, I, I think I read some preliminary numbers that he actually like did quite well compared to his last performance. Um, like he's steadily gaining ground. It's just like not enough. There's also for Stacey in particular, there's quite a different dynamic on the ground. The first time she ran for governor against Kemp, they were both running for an open seat. Right. Neither of them could run on a record. And so but now he, you know, helmed the state through covid. The state's economy is actually quite good. Like he had a, a lot to go on. He a lot def- to he, go on. Also, he didn't give in to Trump. Exactly. And yeah. talk about split ticket voting. There tons are the, in that state. There was tons in that state because they were like, yes, Kemp, no Herschel Walker. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that so then we saw that. And then uh, this is the last thing I'll mention for this um, is a, there's a couple of uh, abortion initiatives that were on the ballot. California, Michigan, Vermont, Kentucky all voted to retain um, abortion rights in their states. Uh, What did you think of that, Grace? I mean, I'm thrilled. (laughs) Just absolutely delighted. Um, And I think after the Kansas referendum, to see Kentucky also come out and be like, we are going to protect this, you're not going to come for this, I think was really encouraging. And so when we say like, you know, this was a, a night in which like democracy kind of held on or at least like put up a, another round of fight. Um, that was also encouraging for me to see that, like, OK, even if Republicans, you know, were to take control of everything, like implementing a national abortion ban would still be incredibly politically toxic because they're like stronghold Republican states are, you know, pushing back against that. So big picture, that gives me a lot of hope and um, comfort. And if I could just add, I think like Dobbs, and I'm going to say this for other men in media, I think we shouldn't downplay the power of Dobbs and the power of, you know, impacting folks who have the reproductive rights really on the line here, because it's really a galvanizing tool across the country in places that people were just willing to let go, like Kentucky. I grew up on the Kentucky border and people were like, there's no way they'll ever defend that of women's rights there. And they did. So I think we need to have a little more faith in women and folks who can have children more and really focus our politics around them, because that is what the Democratic Party can win on. It's very 
apparent right now as democracy holds on. Yeah, that was one. I read a bunch of those like five key takeaways, you know, from from like the major newspapers. And I was just curious to see if there would how different those takeaways would be in different papers. But one of the main takeaways across all the pieces I read was that Dobbs turned women out and you can't deny the power of it, even though, again, the narrative leading up to the election, like the last few weeks, was like, did did abortion rights like lose its luster? <laughs> I think I even probably said that sentence on this guy. That was probably a question I asked a panelist like last couple of weeks. And um, and we again, in that we no one knows anything anymore uh, because we don't have polling science anymore. Uh, I think we we need to start like having different ways of assessing these things and not all jumping on like bandwagons, like narrative bandwagons. I feel like that's, you know, because everyone was wrong. Like everyone thought this was going to be just like such a bloodbath. You know what I mean? And it was not a bloodbath. Um, Okay. Uh, Also just fun, Maryland, Missouri, uh, they both le- legalized marijuana. Arizona, North Dakota, and South Dakota did not legalize marijuana. And Nevada decided to increase their minimum wage. So I don't know. Uh, a fun set of uh, results. And we'll, you know, we'll keep you posted on what happens with the state of the House and Senate races. Um, that stuff is not determined yet. And like, here's my last, last question. is like, are you sitting on pins and needles or are you just like, this is going to be what it is either way. We're working at such a tight margin. It's whatever. Like what is your emotional landscape until <laughs> the Georgia runoffs? <laughs> I, oh. I'm still sitting on pins and needles. Okay. Because I, for me, I'm really quite fixated on Arizona because Carrie Lake is extreme. Yeah. And right now she's trailing. But it's very unclear if that's going to hold. Right. And they also had this, you know, like printer malfunction in Maricopa County that like Republicans are really like jumping on is like evidence of lack of election integrity. And this is just a state where like we can't risk that stuff. And they're also doing the whole, wow, Katie Katie Hobbs is the uh, Democratic candidate for governor. Like she is also the secretary of state and allowed to run this election. Should we allow that? And it's like, that's exactly what the situation was with Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. <laughs> and so I'm just like, yeah. oh, the narrative repeating itself. But for all of those reasons, I'm I'm really intensely watching Arizona. And I think it's going to be a while before we know how that's going to play out. But that's a that's a nail biter for me. Yeah, I would say I echo everything Grace just said about Arizona. Arizona is where your anxiety should lie. Georgia. Yeah, sure. I do think Warnock will squeeze out a win here once we go into the runoff. Runoffs happen all the time in Georgia. It's, it kind of happens every cycle. So I have faith in the state that um, it will stay blue. But, you know, I could be proven wrong. I don't know. I'm very dystopic these days with America and things falling apart. But uh, I think Arizona is where we should be focused a lot right now. Well, uh, I'm not dystopic. I feel pretty I, – I feel like either way – it was great to buck the norm that 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 a seated Democratic president loses. It's great to buck that norm, and uh, and it's you know, and I and I think you're right, Zach. You started off with a note of optimism, which was that it looked, it felt a little bit like democracy was doing its job, <laughs> and that's so nice. All right, so let's take a quick break and hear about our sponsors that keep the lights on here at Fake the Nation. And when we come back, we will continue. Chatter. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. 
And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. are back. And before we get into topic number two, I just want to ask you guys, um, in the absence of races to watch, this segment is, uh, can you do a personal favor and rate and review the show? Uh, we know that because of algorithms and other things that none of us understand, rating and reviewing the show really helps listeners find the show. So if you could take a moment, go to your Apple podcasts, um, give us some sort of a star rating that is in the upper star territory um say something nice throwing an emoji i don't know and we would be ever so grateful it really does help people find the show um to read and review and now let's get into topic number two so gen z doesn't use the thumbs up emoji and here's why you should worry <laughs> is the hilarious title of a forbes magazine think piece by john brandon so we're gonna get into um the the crux of the his argument um but before we do that i in i want to ask you guys what is your relationship with emojis and specifically the thumbs up emoji in your like daily communication um i'm not a big thumbs up emoji person you know i knew we we're going to be talking about this but it's not my like favorite i'm trying to go through my text right now to see do i use it no not really i use it as like a I guess the reply on my message sometimes mm -hmm. it's like, but that's a heart usually. So I'm looking at my messages and my number one is a heart. So I must be like some type of asshole that just loves hearts a lot. So I have no, no thumbs up, just lots of hearts here. I was really relieved when I read this because I've, I have always kind of interpreted the thumbs up as being a little curt. Ooh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, okay. okay. Or like, yeah, like I got it. Um, there's just something about it that to me just kind of feels like, you didn't actually really need to tell me this. Like, <gasps> it's so, okay, Grace, this is, I feel like this is such a revolution because I thought this guy, John Brandon, this is, that is his, the thing that he learned is he, and this is what he wrote. He says, just when I thought a thumbs up was a confirmation of mutual collaboration and agreement, it turns out the symbol is now considered rude and abrasive. And I was like, to who? Like, who are these people that think it's rude and abrasive? And Grace, you are these people. Yeah, I, it's mostly on Slack, like at work specifically on Slack. I see, like you, I see. Especially, I will say, with my Gen Z direct reports, whom I love dearly, the if I like am explaining something and I just get a little thumbs up back, I'm like, oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. okay. I, I guess it's fine. I thought it was, I truly viewed it as like a, oh my God, I super read this message. <laughs> I like I hear so what good. you're saying. I agree. Like I'm, I'm cool. I'm good to go. You know what I mean? Like it's like a thank you. It's a recognition that I read it. It's a, it's like all those things. Like I, I never thought that it was rude and abrasive. But it's so interesting to know that that's maybe what it was interpreted by by some people. Now, okay, 
Um, do you uh, harbor any feelings against those people that use the thumbs up emoji, Grace? Like, Grace what level of monster? <laughs> no, what level it's... of monster are you, Grace? I think I, <laughs> I think it makes me feel a little insecure because I'm like, okay, yeah, I see. great. Um, I, I will. I, I won't bother you as much next time. Like, I feel like, oh no, wow, I've oh. I've imposed. It, does, it feels like how it feels like the then the thumbs up has become the new version of just the letter K. It's yes, like, I hate the letter K. I feel yes. like it's the most like mean shorthand. Just don't say anything. It's fine. But just a K back is just like oh. So it feels like a similar kind of f you back. Yes, to that's you said. the. That's the visceral reaction I have. It's the same. Wow, interesting. Okay, so here's now, the, like, getting away from, like, how we personally feel to feel about it, this is the larger societal um, connection that the writer was making. He wrote, as soon as we realize that an emoji like thumbs up is rude or condescending, another emoji will pop up that has sec- a second or a third meaning. Basically, he's talking about the pace at which the language changes. Now, is this is this writer, does this writer have a point? Is language moving too fast? Or is this writer simply curmudgeonly in a fun way? I would say this writer's just like a good observer, dare I say sociologist of people. <laughs> because we're always going to have- a lot of credit. Yeah, like, I, because I'm just like, yeah, sure. We're always going to have language or symbols that denote- passive aggression like of or, or annoyance like that's just language language is constantly adapting so i think yeah we're going to keep seeing new ways to kind of like use emojis or deploy them to to voice larger meaning around them um and there's always going to be one that's kind of like i hear you but i don't want to hear you right now forever and ever like it's i could probably go back in time and point to different versions of it like jane austen probably has some version of this in her book when she had her, those when the bennett sisters talking to each other Right. Um, One of the things he wrote is that the solution is to avoid these types of proclamations. Emojis should be safe and reliable and not contain any hidden, any extra hidden meaning or implications. Um, Nothing should evolve. (laughs) (laughs) All things should stay the same. Change never. Oh, I think part part of the reason I, because I'm like you, Zach, like I use, here's, I mostly just use a smiley face and a heart. And I think, first of all, I was very resistant to using any emoji ever yeah, because I just was like, I don't, I think it's dumb and I don't want to be a part of it. But like, I also felt like sometimes I didn't want a message to seem too abrasive or abrupt or whatever. And I wanted the the reader to know that I was sending the message with an air, a bright air. <laughs> and so I would add a smiley face or I'd add a heart. And that's just basically where I left it. I did not engage in the several hundred other emoji options that were at my fingertips. I never, never engaged. And now I feel like, you know, there's, we're also in this world where the smiley face is sort of like, it's like, what my mom uses so like I can't possibly use it I feel like hearts are like also on the cusp of being unacceptable I mean I don't know I basically I might have to go back to just not using anything maybe I need to type out this message is sent with a light air (laughs) at the end of every missive in parentheses (laughs) I'm breezy I'm I'm smiling (laughs) I don't know what 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 is a girl like me to do who doesn't know what the state of communication trends are. I I don't know because you know whenever <laughs> I hear these things I was like I a guiding light for me in my life is it's rarely things are rarely about me. Like everyone's pretty deeply narcissistic and deeply in their own heads. So when people do things, it's typically about like their own emotional state. So I'm really good at like a boundary with being like, when someone's like projecting, you know, a thumbs up means this, this, this. I'm like, that's a you thing. That's not a me thing. So I don't really carry it with me. So I think that's where I've moved into it, where I see people deploy these emojis to kind of communicate things to me. And I'm like, I'm not engaging. I'm just going to keep being nice to you and keep moving past it. But I don't know if that's really productive for people because sometimes they do piss me off. Like I do know people that do certain things where I'm like, you're mad at me, just say it. And then I become combative with them around it. So I don't know. Language is hard. Communicating with people is hard. I don't know if there's like a clear route through all of this. Grace, do you have any parting suggestions for the emoji confused among us? 
I think that you should be strong in the fact that you've <laughs> developed your own lexicon. So, like, people know when they're getting a smiley face from you, they're like, this is what she means. They mean she's breezy. Whereas they might know that, you know, for me it's ironic or from someone else it means that they're a boomer. And so I think that you <laughs> – but you can own your own terminology just like you right. would – in real life, like you have your right. own quips, like your I'm own ta- style. I'm taking back the emoji. Um, yes. So uh, it's in it's, context of you. And I, I ask this of all listeners as we wrap up this segment. Many of you have DM'd me. Many of you have experienced the heart and or the smiley face of which I speak. Um, do you accept it? Do you reject it? Where Where is that? <laughs> and uh, hit me up on all of the social media that we should all absolutely not be on. All right. Let us move on to topic number three. We're going to dip into the cultural grab bag and see what we find. Um, and first up is the phenomenon of quiet firing. Now, we talked about quiet quitting on the show, but apparently some companies want to avoid the financial, psychological, and legal costs associated with firing people. So instead, they're intentionally creating a hostile work environment that encourages people to leave voluntarily. It's called quiet firing. It's funny when I was reading this, it, it, it's literally the playbook of um, of of landlords that are trying to get tenants to move out so they could flip the apartment, right? It's like a big real estate thing. It's not called quiet firing. I don't know what it's called. But that thing of creating a hostile environment so people will leave. Remember when Mitt Romney was like, let's create a situation for self-deportation. Do you guys remember that? Yes. yes. So, yeah. So, so this is like self-deportation. This is like, so, so quiet firing. Have you heard of this? Like, and have you, you know, have you seen any of this in action? I have not necessarily seen this, but when I read this, I was like, this is also just the playbook that, like, couples use when they're like, I would really prefer if you broke up with me. Um, So I'm just going to be horrible and, like, push, push you away. So I haven't seen it play out in the workplace, but I've certainly seen it play out in other more intimate areas of my life. (laughs) Right. It is like it's like the 10 things I hate about. No, not that one. What is the one with Sarah Jessica Parker and she's trying to be a horrible girlfriend? And the guy is Matthew McConaughey of uh, one of Hard the- Hard launch? Classic... Failure to launch. Failure to launch. Failure to launch. I believe that um, quiet, quiet Breaking Up was the uh, Sarah Jessica Parker um, mode uh, in that movie. So it was premise of that movie. But you're right. Uh, this is like a, a, a romantic comedy movement, but at the workplace. Zach, what do you think? I think I've definitely seen it happen. I have been in many management positions. I was an editor-in-chief for many years, and I would see a lot of people discuss this in leadership meetings, being like, you know, this person's not performing well. Maybe we should just, like, not put them on this beat. Maybe we shouldn't have them do this. And I've always been very anti that because I'm a, I, I think this whole episode I've come off as very direct and I think I'm a very direct person <laughs> life, where I'm like this isn't working like let's just talk about it like are you happy here because you don't seem happy here or, or am I doing like I don't know that just a conversation you have with people um, and the big reason why I could see corporations and businesses not wanting to fire someone is just because of unemployment access which I think is an insane thing to deny someone of in the midst of an ongoing at least the ramifications of a pandemic that we've been going through for a while the economy we're going into a recession potentially so I just think it's like people just be direct like go up but people do this a lot and I think like I recently experienced that landlord thing you just brought up I lived in downtown LA our buildings all got bought by a new owner Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they just stopped taking care of the building and drove I did move I was like I'm not dealing with this at all (laughs) and I like left because they would stop just doing maintenance they would stop like they it was just a complete chaos and it drives you insane and I think we all have a little too much going on for our mental health right now so I don't want to add to it so if you find yourself trying to quiet fire someone just let them off the hook be direct yeah I mean the other thing is like it is a waste of a human capacity for potentially fruitful and wonderful work if you are transparent with them I mean it, it feels crazy to me it feels like a crazy tactic to me. And they, they talked about this being um, companies like Tesla and Meta uh, are increasingly using quiet firing as a way to to reduce their workforce. Um, it seems it seems like 
it just also it seems inefficient. Like yes. if you're a company like that, don't you want to just quickly get this over with so then you can get yeah. in the person who can do the job well? I don't understand. It seems you know go and make make your firing um, legal proof by like giving them warning, having clear lines of communication, all of the things that quiet firing isn't. Yeah, um, and, so, and I would assume that quiet firing is a really fine line from uh, between harassment in the workplace, which would lead yeah. to a lawsuit. So I don't know why people are being so passive when you can passive your ass right into a big lawsuit. So I, I think it's a really bad, bad idea. I can't, I also can't believe like companies as big as like, you know, Tesla and Meta would do it. They have the resources, the HR departments, they don't have to like, you know what I mean? It just it, the whole thing I think is 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 baffling. Um, and but I but if anyone finds themselves in this particular situation, uh, and a friend of mine I was actually telling me about, she was in a situation like that. She sort of sold a company, but then they wanted her. They they kept her on for a long time as part of the agreement, but then they sort of wanted her to leave, and it's clear that they wanted her to leave. She negotiated. And this is one of the things that the articles that we read suggest. She negotiated a really good. Good departure for herself. Now, this is for like C-suite executives or whatever, um, or even you know middle management people. I think can negotiate. Like you could get money out of your quiet firing. You know, you have leverage. They're not firing you for a reason. So if they're not firing you for a reason, you have a little power here. Like you better you know get to get some money and to walk out with a little bit more dignity. Or you can get if money is a thing, or if you want a, a recommendation for your next job, or if you want you know some kind of placement support, whatever. Those are all things that you can get. Um, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm so curious if anyone has yeah. experienced um a quiet quiet firing. My life as a comedian and an actor and a writer is like a constant stream of uh, direct rejection. So it's it's <laughs> <laughs> so the idea that it would be dragged out into uncertainty is so so interesting to me. Yeah, it's um, really it's really cowardly. Yeah. And so I think that if like people can take advantage of like this institution being cowardly where like it's so decentralized as to like who's doing the cowardice then like that's great that we should yeah definitely empower people to do that but it is yeah. a wild <laughs> practice to be like we've all decided to be cowards here yeah, yeah i love this idea of like leveraging if you do see some behavioral patterns at your job where you think they're they're quiet firing you you walk into an office and say, I know what you're doing. It's okay. I want to go to let's make a deal. Let's to talk. Take a, a page from, <laughs> to take yes. a page from Donald Trump. Let's make a deal. <laughs> like, I'll be out here in six months if you do X, <laughs> Y, and Z, and we can be good. Okay. <laughs> and be done. Y yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Like, let's all just be reasonable about this. Come on. Um, okay. Let us move on to the second item in our cultural grab bag. It's about matching with celebrities on dating apps. There was a piece in Vibe, um, in Vice magazine about it. Um, first of all, has this ever happened to you, to either of you? No. Yes. <laughs> what, Zach? It's happened to you. Uh, y yes. I would feel like it's like being. You gay. don't have to. You don't have to dish the name, but I yes, really. Yes, I won't just uh, say name. I have. But matched, I'm so curious. Like I have matched with celebrities on. I mean, I have used no the names, app but I'm, like maybe names. some descriptors. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like what? What pops, field were they in? What um, kind of celebrity? There was. A model, a supermodel. Oh god! Um, then there's actors, a lot of actors. You live in LA. It's like yeah, 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 a lot of actors actor. galore, a lot, yeah. which is like an desperate interesting for fame. Love. Yes. Yeah, desperate for love, desperate for a uh, season renewal. Like yeah. it took a lot of desperate. But yeah, it happens quite a bit in LA on the apps. And I think That's it's like so a, fu a fun yeah. joke where you, as a gay gay man who actually goes out to bars, I'm not single. I haven't been single in a while now. But when I was single a few years ago, it, it was a thing that you negotiated a lot. Um, and everyone has the the tea on the person. So. I don't know what it's like to be straight, though, where you don't have this, like, immediate community that knows everything that shares really quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I – well, you're also – here's the other thing is that you're both public figures. Have you ever been in a dating app situation where the person already knows who you are? 100%. Grace? <laughs> but uh, No, but I also have to complete I've never used dating apps. Oh. Yeah. 
you wow your mental health must be so good wow <laughs> i know if that's that's the that I'm is so the glow on her skin that i've been whore. seeing this whole time yes. that's the wow. it's like the yeah the she's like fresh faced and like ready for life i think that's what that yeah. is you still yeah. have a brightness in your eyes yes so <laughs> a twinkle <laughs> a twinkle um yeah i'm so sorry so i and i don't think anyone would know who the hell i am anyway but no i i'm, I'm i so I'm again for this. i'm a like a you know uh what you call a g-list celebrity right like there's three npr listeners in america that are very excited when i come to their town and then outside of that <laughs> um so so i'm that level famous and i did once on i think it was tinder back in my dating i also not um i am also taken folks but but um, when I was on Tinder for a minute, um, I got a, a message that was like, oh, I know you and I know your comedy or whatever, but also like I want to go on a date or something. And I didn't like it. <laughs> Zach, yeah. what did you, did you, have you liked it or not, disliked oh, it or what? It, free- it kind of like creeped, it takes you out of the moment because all of a sudden you've like lost all the leverage of getting to know somebody when you say, like, I've been in situations where you, you match with someone on an app or I'm on Grinder, and you start talking to someone and they say something and you're just trying to be cute or witty. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, I work in, like, media. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I listen mm-hmm. to your show every day. And you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah. whoa, that just became a whole other level. And then also, if you ever are considering sharing intimate details with a new, with a stranger, you just know that they could message it really quickly in a way that gets to your audiences so it's a little right. discerning a yeah bit. and um, I think that's tough I mean especially I mean I, I, don't, I don't even know to be honest like I'm a pretty open book like so if you listen to this podcast it's like very similar like I, I'm bound to say things on this podcast that I also just tell my friends it's like they're I, I'm a pretty open book but I can see that fear of like oh if I'm like extra honest with this person then they might you know put me on blast like well, on Twitter or yeah something. well I would even be taking it even further heaven forbid you know and I'm a Christian woman so I would never do this but send a nude photo <gasps> to someone <laughs> yes of course you wouldn't no none I of would us never, would but never, so, but if never. You, in that mm. moment you know what, what happens next will it end up on one of those like reddit threads or something so, right right so it's just it's precarious okay so okay Grace I, here's something that um, this piece brought up that I didn't even think about you're you, you match with a celebrity on a dating app this is Again, such a hypothetical situation for you because you're just such an innocent babe in the woods. You don't even know what dating apps are. But let just in the world where you've been on one, you match with a celebrity on a dating app, you go to the bar to meet him or her, and do you fess up to knowing or do you pretend like you don't know who they are? I, I don't think you can do the pretending. That's weird. Okay. I think you have to. A lot of people be, do. I, I, I see that, but I, I would advise against um, I think that you, I think that you fess up, but you have to be utterly unimpressed. Yes, that's, that's yes. has right. to be like absolutely. I, yes. Yeah, I also noticed your five eleven, and yes. you know, yeah. and just yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Treat it like it's just a human quality. They're just a person. Yeah. Just to be like, oh, you're even like take it further and be like, oh yeah, you work as an actor, right? Like treat it like their celebrity is just like a job. A and job. Because it job. is a job. Ooh, that's it's like just like, that. And it's just like, oh, you work on that show. Yeah, yeah, you're I on also TV. feel like that is like ideal begging for an actor too to yes. be like, okay, ah, <laughs> also, yeah, put them in their place. Yes, it's also mm-hmm. a way for you to psychically deal with like if you ever find yourself engaging with like a supermodel. Like I had that experience once where someone's like so beautiful, but models are like built different, so yeah. they like they're like <laughs> literally paid a lot of money to look this way. So for them, it's not as like the same as like Joe Schmo walking down the street. So when you're like, oh yeah, well you work out all the time because you're literally in a Calvin Klein ad. It's like yeah, exactly. Right. That's right. why I do this. So that's why. Into, like, your how. face is your job. <laughs> yeah, your face is your job. And they're like, That's you see beautiful. me as a person. Oh my God. And then ta-da. I find I find it, you know, I've it's funny because I the the type of dating I do now involves other playground parents where it's like we're all auditioning to be each other's friends, you know? Oh. Um and uh in casual playground chats or whatever. And it one case actually, someone I had talked to for like weeks, then finally was just like, um, this is weird, but like I've read your book. <laughs> like I know you. <laughs> a, like I read a lot about your life. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Well, um, <laughs> and then it was, and then I almost felt silly because I'm like, did I say 
did I actually reiterate like material that was in my book just literally is my life? <laughs> I said it out loud as a part of conversation. And it's like, yeah, that was chapter four, bitch. Like, I know. You know what I mean? Um, anyway. I read this anecdote. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so weirdly embarrassing. Anyway, but I would say, yes, tell people off the bat. And then that also gets them to like rejigger and like um, have a different way of sort of like addressing stories that they may have heard you say or whatever it is. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I would say don't do it like as the first thing. Like say you match with like an actor you love on Tinder. Do not use that first message with, hey, I love you on X. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like just be like engage with them. And then as it comes up, be like, yeah, I think I thought you were that person in that show. Or yes, yes. I think I have heard your music before. It is really good. Um, but then if you're a super fan, just be a super fan and let it go. Because you're never probably going to get past that. <laughs> and, and right. And one of the things that this article said is if you are a super fan, immediately do not date this person. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't do that. You don't can't do that. handle it. You're It's a terrible power imbalance. It's not good. Leave it alone. All right, folks, have you dated a celebrity? I'm dying to know. All right, folks, that is the end of the show. This was such a fun chat. I loved having you guys on. And what I would really like is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you on everything that you do. Grace, where do they do that? You can follow me on Twitter at GraceLynch08. Um, and please uh, give Teaching Texas a listen if you want to hear more from our creationist dentist. It is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Zach, where do they find you? Um, similar to you can find me on Twitter at, at Zach Stafford. Um, uh, for now, you can find him on for Twitter. Now, for now, maybe come to Instagram, which same name over there, I think. Um, yeah, so check me out there. Then also um, check out my weekly show, Vibe Check, uh, at Stitcher and Sirius XM Radio with Saeed Jones and Sam Sanders. It's quite quite fun. And if you're in New York before January 15th, come see A Strange Loop on Broadway. Um, it is a fun time and I'll come say hi. By the way, this makes now two thirds of Vibe Check has been on Fake the Nation because Sam yes. Sanders has also done Fake the Nation a couple of times. So uh, now we need to we need to like make the circle complete. Um, yes, we'll get <laughs> Yes, so like uh, everyone, um, subscribe to these podcasts, and you know where to find me and all the things that I do. The um, tickets for the Dallas and Austin wait wait don't tell me stand up shows are now available. Also, I'm gonna be at Carnegie Hall with wait wait don't tell me um, on the December 8th show, I, I believe. So um, if you are in New York City and you want to see a Way We Don't Tell Me taping at um, at Carnegie Hall, what better place to do it? I will be one of the panelists. I so can't wait. Um, so yes, uh, the stand-up tour the, uh, is going to be December something and something in Dallas and in Austin. <laughs> Remember, it's on my website. It's like early December, and um, and then uh, and then at Carnegie Hall. Um, so, folks, um, I would really like to thank all the people that make this show happen. That's our wonderful producer Andrew McGuire, our fantastic audio engineer Stephanie Aguilar. Our theme music was written by Gabby Alter, and special thanks to everyone at Headgum for making this show a possibility. Uh, and if you have any ideas for us, uh, hit me up on all the social medias. That's mostly where you guys. Uh, like to do it as you DM me and that's completely fine um, and also uh, we would love your ideas on segments on on people we should have on I'm all ears for all of it and we will be back in your earballs next week that was a headgum podcast <laughs>